0: i Spaces
1: Going on, everyone. How's it going, Was? Hey, it's good. How are you doing? Well, you guys uh make it back safely from ECC.
2: Yeah, we uh, we did our best. There's a, a couple of plane changes and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we're all we're all uh, back in the the states or wherever we're based now. How about how about you guys? You guys went to ECC, right? Uh, Shade Protocol did not go to ECC, but we had
1: a bunch of secret network representatives uh, at ECC, and so. Um yeah, awesome. a lot of people out there. Um and then a few other conferences that Secret Network was uh was presenting at. I know <laughs> you had mentioned, you know, changes in flights and stuff. And there's a few people in particular I follow on Secret Network who are having a whole field day with overbookings, <laughs> cancelings, and like just being stuck in Paris, which I mean I guess if you're gonna be stuck in a city, Paris is a <laughs> pretty nice
2: place be yeah. kind of stuck yeah i mean uh, it just sounds like to me that they're they're just looking for excuses uh, I, I saw some tweet there was like 50 people waiting for this overbooked flight right yeah yep it's just
1: crazy. yeah i wonder if like maybe that's how they get you to buy first class tickets <laughs> you're less likely to be overbooked <laughs> i don't know
2: no, no, I, I mean, maybe, you know, I, I I'd never know, but, uh, yeah, it was, it's a uh, quite a trip getting back. I think everybody's just getting back into the swing of things. Like my time zones super messed up. I'm in PST, so like my whole day is completely off kilter. Oh now. wow, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's almost like what ten hour, twelve hour difference.
2: Yeah, little, little too much, a little, a little crazy. What was uh? I guess just from
1: your perspective, like what was uh, what were some of your biggest takeaways from ETH CC, like uh, from whether it be from a specific perspective or just you as someone uh, contributing in this space?
2: Um, Well, I I think the energy was really, really good. Um, I think that's not always the case at some of these conferences, especially, you know, as we're slowly trying to exit the bear as a market. Um, I think everybody was pretty positive. I think there was a lot of talk around layer twos and OP stack and, um, you know, Coinbase's base and them sort of taking a greater role in development of L2s. Um, so, I mean, I, I think a lot of the conversations we had were positive, you know, OHO, we we're always kind of talking about oracles, talking to everybody's ear off about that. Um, and you know, the reception around Oho has been pretty positive so far. So, um, I, I think it's all been, been pretty good, you know? How about you guys? Do you, you hear anything about uh, the from the guys that went to ECC? Carter, you
1: have you talked to uh, any of the folks at Secret Network that went? I know Lisa was there. I know some of the some of the foundation and agency was there as well.
3: Yeah, I heard it was a really good and energized conference. I know Secret Network kind of outlined its aims to be more integrated with ethereum which is like really really interesting and privacy as a service of course being something that is continuing to have better and better tooling to actually integrate with other protocols outside of secret network in a meaningful way so as a whole it was uh a great conference definitely check out that that youtube video if you ever get the chance that whole like people people are saying like despite things being brutal it was a conference that was just very level-headed and there's just like a lot of a lot of optimism about the tech it seems like the um, numbness of the bear market has kicked into the point where all that's left is the grit of builders which which creates its own kind of inspirational cycle and I think that's kind of where we're at right now
2: yeah, uh, it's uh, tough times uh, make good men or something like that, right? So yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. It's been it's been awesome being able to talk to people who are kind of just sticking around. Like there was there was this board at ECC that just said like, why are you still here? Um, and it was just you know people writing out different reasons why they're they're still engaged in crypto and sort of what it means to their their personal story. With crypto, and I, I thought that was uh, pretty awesome. So yeah, overall, great conference, a lot of fun, and uh, as always, it's good to bond with the team and spend time with the guys, and uh, you know, just kind of learn about everybody a little bit more.
3: What uh, what are you most excited for? Like, what was your biggest takeaway from the conference?
2: Yeah, I think uh, a big part of it was like layer twos and optimism stack uh, sort of becoming more and more important. Um, Oho, we're we're really looking at sort of where the next set of markets are for our expansion. I mean, we're Cosmos right now, but we're going to go into L2s and, you know, Ethereum as well as like Move VM. So um, hearing a lot about how there's active development on L2s to make them more, uh you know more modular more more buildable actually have dev tooling involved and kind of support engineers um i i think that's really key for sort of where my signal is because you know the key to any ecosystem is a good set of developers that can actually build what they want to so um i i thought that was pretty exciting to see more expansion on that cuz i i mean the only place i've seen real uh like dev tooling and serious uh code and well-organized software is like uh, ethereum and cosmos and i'm excited to see that exist in in more places
3: just sorry my my connection dropped me there my apologies
1: it's all good i can hear you loud and clear carter all right cool well we are officially uh over five minutes past the hour so I think we can go ahead and kick this off. Thank you Waz for joining us today. Thank you Carter for joining us today for this discussion talking about collaboration between Shade Protocol and Oho and kind of the impact of Oracle expansion on DeFi and the Cosmos. Um so really appreciate you Waz for coming up. Uh same with you Carter. Uh for anyone who is in the Shade or Secret community that might be listening now or listening to the recording later, isn't quite aware of what oho is and the problems that they solve was would you mind giving us an overview of what what is oho network and, and what is the purpose of the solutions that oho brings to the table
2: yeah so uh, oho is a an oracle uh, blockchain it's it's a, a data network that's built as a blockchain and designed for the interchange so Uh, It's built uh, immediately to serve as a beachhead in the Cosmos ecosystem for providing uh, accurate price feeds and data feeds about different things. Uh, Our immediate market right now is delivering data feeds for sort of the the underserved market of assets. In the Cosmos, what this means is um, when your protocol is powered by OHO, they can use uh, uh, like liquid stake and derivatives and native stable coins like IST and USK. Um, in, in a safe way. It's hard to price these things out because you know it, it's relatively easy to manipulate markets with you know a few hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, we saw that with the Mango Markets hack where Avi Eisenberg stole $110 million from a relatively small lending protocol uh, compared to the rest of the ecosystem. Uh, OHO essentially allows a next level of DeFi to uh, engage in in the ecosystem, all these tokens that wouldn't be able to engage in DeFi in a safe way so that things like the Mango Markets hack can't take place. So that's why we're partnering with uh, protocols like Shade Protocol to power their lending protocol um, and to bring up that next level of defi in every ecosystem where we build these cryptographic assurances but yeah that's that's oho that's kind of our our vision for the cosmos is bringing all these different tokens and enabling them to work in a meaningful way
1: so that you know my next question is immediately like what led you guys to build an incubate uh, OHO and and I guess kind of building off that, how does OHO differentiate itself from existing oracle solutions? I know the Cosmos has um, groups like Band and Ethereum has groups like Chainlink. Um, so just curious, how does OHO differentiate itself from some of the existing oracle solutions
2: out there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to answer your first question, sort of where it where it came out, uh, we were building out the Umi protocol and uh in in building up the the lending side of the the uh, protocol the leverage module uh we sort of realized, hey, we need price feeds for these things in order to have liquidations and to measure how much users can collateralize um but we had to do it safely, and we had to solve this for this sort of new generation of blockchain that was taking s- space, which is proof of sake, which is now the you know superior form of uh you know block space right now so We sort of saw that and we looked at existing solutions. We actually tried to integrate with Chainlink. Uh, We tried to integrate with Band as well and a couple other Oracle providers at the time. But they they weren't exactly cutting it for what we wanted to do. Um, We wanted to support every asset in the cosmos. We wanted to do it fast and we wanted to do it in a safe way where people couldn't manipulate the market artificially. So we had to build everything from the ground up. Um, Oho built out this, this price feeder tool that allows all of the validators to pull data from like 20 different uh, sources and provide that information on-chain for all different protocols to use. So we built it out at UMI, and it essentially brought UMI to the point of being the, you know, the official money market of Cosmos. UMI is going to be the, in the atom economic zone. Um, it's one of the biggest protocols in the Cosmos. And uh, we're able to list the most assets in the cosmos. So we essentially saw that this oracle was allowing Umi to operate at a different level, and uh, and so we we started to bring this product to the rest of the market as its own independent L1 blockchain. So that that's sort of the the starting story of OHO. Um, the the thing that differentiates us is we don't really exactly compete directly with other oracle providers. We don't really compete with Band or Chainlink or uh, uh, you know some of these existing even Pith. Um because Oho is going after the the completely different uh asset class of these, these sort of low market cap uh coins. Most Oracle systems go after things like Ethereum, and they try to get a certain port of the, the market share that's already dominated by things like Chainlink. Um OHO is kind of going after the forty percent of the market like, uh, you know, wrapped liquid staked Ethereum and uh, yield bearing Ethereum that we're working with Zaki on providing pricing for. So um, we're really able to serve kind of the the whole rest of the market and kind of, you know, answer the question, well, you know, why isn't Stride able to participate in DeFi? It's because they don't have an OHO price feed on that product yet. And I say yet, because we're obviously working on partnering with everyone in the cosmos to provide these price feeds and enable all of these assets to engage. So that's kind of where we started, how we're built, and uh, how we're different from all of these other protocols.
1: Love love the sound of that, especially, um, you know, you wanting to make sure to properly serve the most underserved part of uh, Cosmos DeFi right now, which... You know, it's kind of surprising to me personally that liquid staking derivatives haven't been prioritized from an Oracle standpoint outside of OHO. And maybe it's just because things are moving so quickly, um, or maybe, like you said, there's different priorities. People are wanting to focus more on those, you know, more popular tier one assets. Um, but really love the idea of what you guys are doing and kind of the ethos behind OHO and. Um, in doing some research on you guys, I noticed that you guys can provide price feeds through uh, both modules and uh, smart contracts. Uh, could you mind touching a little bit on like what the difference is there and like how this helps
2: you be more flexible with the groups you're trying to collaborate with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's two different ways that the Cosmos can support OHO price feeds. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of different ways you can integrate on Ethereum L1 as well as rollups through canonical bridges and using things like Axel general message passing in those other environments. But in the Cosmos, there's two main ways you can do it. One is through smart contracts. We essentially deploy a set of smart contracts onto the consumer chain that wants to receive pricing information. And then we we relay that information over from our Oracle network right now. And the the other way is through an IBC queries module that we have uh, developing in-house right now, which essentially makes everything completely trustless and agnostic. Uh, the, the sort of different markets we serve is, is because um, people typically, uh, when, when they're building out an L1, they kind of have everything planned out, right? They already have the modules that they want. They already have the expected data, the expected um, oracles that they want to provide. Sometimes they've already built out kind of an in-house module uh, for Oracle data, like like Kava has their own Oracle system um which is a pretty good example but uh, really what we're going after immediately is is this sort of Cosmosm, this sort of layer 2 of of cosmos because we see a lot of projects that need oracle systems that are already integrating with other existing oracles um that might not be working properly uh, a good example is is a harbor on Comdex. we're going to be deploying to Comdex uh next week we get we're going to have a proposal up uh to post this smart contract on there which is some alpha we haven't really announced, but uh, Harbor Protocol essentially uh, went through a whole ton of liquidations because they were using Oracle price from an existing uh, Oracle that doesn't really uh, didn't really work properly. They were, I think, reversing uh, the, the denomination of an asset it, sort of in an incorrect fashion. Not really checking. They were using CoinGecko directly, unfortunately. So. Uh, Going after both of these is important, but we see more immediate on the Cosm side, which is why we focused on deploying all of these Cosm contracts on uh, different networks like Secret Network.
3: Yeah, was well, interestingly enough, we were actually part of the, the Harbor bug is an interesting chain of events where CoinGecko essentially added in shade swap pools, but made the assumption that all the pools are constant product. Um, and they weren't, we have like a unique curve tied to asymmetric concentrated liquidity. And so it ended up impacting every single asset that was on shade swap, anywhere from like ST Atom to ST ASMA, all the way to something like, yeah, like th- those, those are really the, the big ones. So it caused a huge skew temporarily. And I think Harbor was pointing at they said two or three different oracle solutions and coingecko made up like a third of the weighting and that's what ended up causing the the chain the chain reaction so it sort they're like very real problems the the stability the stability of data feeds the reliability of data feeds it's it's a really it's a really big problem um so i think oho is is really taking on <laughs> A massive giant of a problem in trying to handle lower liquidity you know tokens so i would I would love to learn like how what what is the strategy for handling that risk, and why have other oracles not been able to do it like you guys are going to or have.
2: Yeah, so it, it kind of comes down to our architecture at a foundational level. Um, we, we're we going to, when we do a token generation event, uh, we're going to have this uh, blockchain that will be the, the OHO blockchain. It'll have a, a set of uh, completely decentralized validators voting on pricing information. Um, they get all of this information from... Uh, centralized uh, exchanges, but they also get this information head-on from DEXs. We essentially build out these custom indexers for uh, decentralized exchanges like Osmosis, like uh, Astroport is going to be one of them. We're building out uh, different solutions for a bunch of different DEXs. And um, essentially, we're going to be able to provide uh, data on all of these assets that are on uh, any of these I I think our our threshold is like uh, $10,000 of 24-hour trading volume is what we'll be able to support, which is, by the way, incredible. It it hasn't been done before, which is really, really exciting. So um, what allows us to do that is because we're built as a decentralized blockchain, uh, we're we're essentially able to have this set of validators vote uh, kind of anonymously and trustlessly on what the pricing information is and sort of have this uh, kind of they all got guns pointing at each other. not not believing each other's data. So they independently verify each other's information in a completely decentralized manner and then relay that information over to the receiving chain. Uh, It will be secured by the OHO token. So uh, there is economic assurances from there as well. Um, But what really also makes us tick is our smart Oracle solution. Uh, The smart Oracle essentially provides contextual market data to consuming protocols. So consuming protocols are able to tell If the market is actively being manipulated. So when shade integrates Oho, uh, there will be essentially two data feeds. One will be the smart Oracle price, and then one will be the the typical immediate Oracle price that they can use, whichever is the the lower of the two at the time they can use for uh, users to allow to collateralize different assets. Uh, this essentially prevents people from spiking markets arbitrarily with, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars for some of these smaller cap assets and uh, allowing them to collateralize on more than what their tokens are essentially worth. So OHO is is fundamentally built in a completely different way. It's kind of uh, it's, you know, just completely different than how Chainlink is built, completely different than how Band is built. And so we're able to attack the market. In a, in a completely different way, where we just access a whole new greenfield set of assets that no other Oracle is able to provide data for in a safe manner. So that that's kind of how OHO ticks, how it's built different. Yeah, I'm, I'm personally a huge fan of
1: um, kind of the ethos and, and value proposition um, that you're elaborating on in regards to OHO. Decentralized finance needs decentralized Oracle solutions and And, you know, at least from my perspective, it makes sense that it it really does make sense that OHO is incubated from one one of the leading users of uh, Oracle's in the cosmos, being the UMI money market lending protocol. Um, That that reliability, uh, uh, security, censorship resistance is going to be crucial. You know, thinking a little bit more about shade here, it's going to be crucial for... Um, improving Silk's Oracle solution as we continue to push forward to build the vision of Silk as this globally accessible purchasing power uh, preservation tool. And Carter, I kind of want to throw this question over to you from the perspective of a DApp builder. Um, you know, obviously, Shape Protocol has Dex, a um, a lending protocol or borrowing protocol. We've got staking derivatives and and a whole bunch of other things uh, currently kind of under wraps that's being built. Why is it so critical uh, from your perspective to have really solid oracles uh, for Silk um, kind of projecting into the future?
3: I think you can start even zoomed out from Shade. And if you think about IBC and what it unlocks, the more commerce there is in, in Cosmos, the more that something like Shade Protocols, DeFi Suite benefits. So there's all this... Collateral sitting here in Cosmos that isn't able to be tapped into, we'll say, um, because of some of these some of these risks. And so, separate from just Shade, if we can get more and more of these these money markets and these leverage products to be able to tap into that collateral and, and create economic activity, there's this kind of second order effect of all the arbitrage between Shade Protocol and wherever that. You know, economic activity is originating from. So as a whole, this is just like super good for cosmos. And as a little like history lesson, if we go back to 20, 2021, 2022, Chainlink was gonna come to Cosmos, but then Terra collapsed. And so they essentially resigned their efforts to to go into Cosmos. Um I say that as someone who's like actually <laughs> talked with their team and was was trying to get them on secret. And so it's really interesting because there was this big just just like there was a um, really big void in terms of like a stable coin, a decentralized stable coin in the Cosmos post-UST, arguably there's been a massive vacuum in terms of Oracle solutions too. It's pretty much just been ban protocol and maybe some folks tinkering with similar to Terra, where you can grab, you know, data feeds from like a validator set. But that's you know, there's there's limitations there. So I think this is just like a really big turning point for Cosmos as a whole, if, if OHO can can deliver as, as new L1s roll out, as new apps roll out, there should be a really big uptick in the creativity of DeFi applications and the economic activity that comes along with that. So super, super bullish for Cosmos with, with respect to that. Uh, in, terms of, in terms of shade, I think there's really like two, two pieces. Something like OHO allows you to improve the security of existing price feeds, and it also... Empowers us to expand the optionality of what can be offered. Um, specifically on the optionality side, I'm 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 gonna be very excited to see what assets you know get added to Oho. Um, because stuff like Shade Lend, when we wanna use an asset and we're kind of bounded by local liquidity to a degree, but if we can have a really good Oracle feed, you're able to overcome um some of those some of those limitations so shade lend collateral options in the cosmos could could open up um, as we add in other pieces of the puzzle too like eventually we'd like to have some form of a a private private uh money market or perpetual swaps private perps like you're going to need a top tier oracle solution and i think oho is stepping up to the plate on that front
2: yeah, and I appreciate the kind words there. Um, I mean, we've really, you know, from a fundamental level, we've had a look at this completely differently as we're building it out, right? Um, originally, with Umi, we kind of saw the development of the lending protocol, and we we kind of asked, like, are we only going to be able to support like three assets on this? Like, it, that that's going to be a huge problem, and and to do that in a in a non-safe way where. You know, we, we can't really tell if the market's being changed or if it's a bridged asset or, you know, can we ever support real yield ETH or, you know, we we had all these sort of questions bringing on this project. Uh, I mean, it's been developing for like two years now. You know, th- this is a complex, very uh, developed project at this point. You know, the, these engineers have been working on this for quite some time. And um I, I think... What we'll see, honestly, is is sort of this explosion of a of a interaction in DeFi with the expansion of OHO, not just in the Cosmos. Um, I mean, the Cosmos is our beachhead. You know, uh, we're, we're Cosmos first chain. Obviously, you know, we have uh, we're the only chain to support things like Quicksilver's assets and you know IST and USK in a safe way. But I think we're going to allow for uh, once we sort of go into the Ethereum side of it we're going to allow for that sort of agnosticism between environments that everybody in Cosmos talks about all the time, right? That agnosticism, uh, not being able to tell if you're in Ethereum or Cosmos or wherever, it's so important because it uh, really, the the liquidity that uh, allows us to participate in DeFi, the majority of it is in Ethereum, right? So much of it, is in Ethereum compared to Cosmos. And to be able to bridge between those two environments and allow Cosmos assets to engage safely on the Ethereum side and Ethereum assets to engage safely on the Cosmos side, uh, it's, it's so important for the health of the Cosmos and the expansion of the ecosystem overall. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of why we're building what we're building at OHO because uh, we can support any of these price feeds. We can go into every ecosystem and build out cryptographic and economic guarantees to make sure that anyone who participates in DeFi is sure that, you know, uh, hey, my assets are safe. You know, I I don't have to worry about some person in the sky stamping approval on this uh, transaction because I can trust this system in place. I can trust this sort of uh, hybrid smart contract system that's in place. So um, I'm glad you're excited, Carter. I mean, it's all I think about kind of keeps me up at night. All the time so good to hear
3: for sure yeah red you unmuted there for a second
2: yeah i'm just thinking you know
3: like
1: from from shade's perspective there is an obvious solid use case internally for integrating oho's oracle solution uh for our various d apps whether it be helping ensure proper price feeds for liquidations uh providing redundant price feeds for lsd redemption rates um, the ex- being able to expand vaults, they include new liquid staking derivatives. Um, that that might be a little bit less pervasive uh, indexes across the cosmos, and then also being able to expand components of the Silk Peg, uh, which is something like I'm personally, uh, you know, really excited about. And Carter, if you know, maybe maybe you want to go into a little detail about you know how we originally had to actually shrink uh the composition of silk's peg it was originally uh, composed of i think 20 different currencies and commodities and we had to reduce that down to six as a result of a lack of price feeds for a lot of these currencies that we wanted to include maybe you want to touch on like what you think about the impact of integrating oho in that regard
3: yeah i mean it depends on oho's roadmap for integrating some of those currency price feeds from from forex markets but originally when silk was designed there's 22 different components in it, um, really diversified across the entire, entire world. So the research was very creative and, and we started from a place of creativity and not from a place of, um, restriction, which I think, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to that. Um, the advantage is you get to really explore what the model could be. The disadvantages is you actually can't fully implement that reality, but Throughout the journey, we, we kind of outlined this, this really beautiful basket. And then when push came to shove and we went to, to band protocol, it was like, oh, only, <laughs> only six of the 22 are supported on here. Um, looks like we're going to have to redo the model. Uh, and so over the course of the next like five, ten years, we're super excited to have more data feed options because then Silk's basket can be updated. We can add new things that Silk is tracking and so then, silk's long-term performance can be more more resilient, more more inflation-resistant, less less reliant on you know the set of six, and instead maybe reliant on a set of 15 different commodities. Get get things like oil uh, integrated, things like wheat, things like um, a couple of the other major major currencies. So it's uh, it's super exciting, and and I'm guessing OHO isn't targeting forex data feeds in the short term but over the long term i i actually think that crypto and forex markets is a match made in heaven and it blows my mind that we haven't seen um more defi built around it i i think that'll be one of the biggest i mean forex markets currency exchange is the largest market in the world it's it is a massive market and crypto you know bitcoin was originally like this borderless payment solution and kind of sidestepping foreign exchange markets as a whole, which is really cool. But there's so much liquidity and value and inefficiencies in the foreign exchange markets that if they can make their way into crypto and on a blockchain, I think there's just so much value to be unlocked there. So that's my, one of my five to 10 year predictions. Forex comes to crypto in a really big way, and it'll be on the backs of Oracle solutions like OHO.
2: Well, I've got great news for you, Carter. We actually already have a 4x API integration in our price feeder tool. All we got to do is turn it on. So, um, when when you guys integrate with OHO, let us know what kind of data you need, and uh, we'll we'll get it for you. So, yeah, we, I mean, we're we're already looking at this too. I mean, this is a huge market, right? We could do crypto. We can do indices. We can even do stock um, uh, eventually. So, yeah, we just gotta finish uh, testing it out and uh, turning it on.
3: I'd love to take a peek, uh maybe I'll I'll DM you after this just to see what the API will initially be able to support because that's that's so exciting to hear.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll send over uh the docs uh right now actually. I'll send over the, the integration we have.
3: So one one thing I'd I'd like to maybe go into the weeds on is is this low liquidity environment. Because even within really good systems, there's always kind of these these like trust trust assumptions. So, was if you had to break down like the highest risk scenario for the low liquidity environment, what are those risks? Maybe you could outline an example of the risks and then talk about how Oho mitigates and maybe the things that can't be mitigated, right? Like I'm assuming things like an outright rug <laughs> at some point if there's a mismatch between the reality of liquidity versus what the Oracle is trying to protect against, like eventually there's some sort of lag that catches up. So I'd, I'd love to kind of pick your brain at the lowest level, a more more like granular example.
2: Yes. So um, what, one of the best examples that we can kind of think of is kind of the, the risk with like a liquid staking asset, like Stride or Quicksilver. Um, what a lot of Oracle solutions will do with liquid staking or an exchange asset is they'll essentially just measure the exchange rate between the base asset and the liquid staking asset so uh they'll take the price of atom and then say that the liquid staking asset right now has like a 1.5 x exchange rate for st atom and then they'll price out st atom with that exchange rate but the the risk in that for every lending protocol and stablecoin collateralization protocol uh is you know what if that uh, the this sort of uh It just breaks, right? Like, what if Stride stops working? What if Quicksilver stops working? Some somehow IBC queries gets messed up, or you know, uh, Interchain accounts has a huge bug in it. So essentially, the exchange rate between those two tokens doesn't work, right? So how OHO mitigates this is we instead of uh, instead of measuring the exchange rate between a base asset and then the uh, liquid-staking derivative, we essentially just measure the, the trading volume for the liquid-staking derivative itself. So we have those those custom indexers I keep talking about for things like Osmosis and Astroport and uh, Uniswap and DYDX. We can essentially measure the, the real trading volume, and we compare that against the exchange rate for that asset itself. So uh, the trading volume for something might be $5, but the exchange rate uh, would only give you $4 for that asset. We take the lower of the two and provide that as a part of our smart Oracle price. Um, That smart Oracle price essentially allows lending protocols and collateralization protocols to limit what their users can collateralize on the platform for the health of the platform. Yes, it does limit the user's position because obviously the user wants to collateralize an asset as much as possible in every ecosystem, but it allows us for an event where um, you know, essentially the, whichever price is lower uh, allows us to just make the protocol safer Be, because essentially if you can buy an asset for a lower price in one of those two markets – you're going to arbitrage, you know, it could be $1, but it could also be $100 for that asset. And you would just kind of loop that in order to get as much as as you want outside of the ecosystem. And then uh, you essentially hack the protocol by doing that. But OHO, because we're built sort of looking at these issues from the ground up, looking at it from the perspective of, you know, UMI's protocol, which has to be secure as possible, must be uh, essentially perfect as a as we try to say. Um, we're we're able to provide those uh, assurances on a technological level, so that consuming protocols can say, okay, I know that when I when I use OHO, uh, these users are uh, their, their limit is essentially the lowest common denominator for the market. Wherever they can get the asset at the lowest price is what uh, they'll be able to collateralize and engage in that in that way. Does that answer your question, Carter? I know I kind of went a little bit all over the place with uh, no.
3: I think I think five. That's, that was a really, really good example on the on the liquid staking derivative. I'm, I'm curious, like what, what is like what does volume represent like fundamentally when you're using that as kind of a like a like a health metric? Describe to me how that works. Uh, like, yeah, at, at the most fundamental level, why volume is an important health metric for these oracles compared to liquidity.
2: Yeah, so uh, volume when, when trading is essentially how you consider the price of an asset. Uh, the, it's just like the, the basics. The TWAP formula, uh, we actually use TVWOP. We take time and volume. Uh, we essentially weigh them and then we average out the price based off of that in our uh, formula for pricing out assets. Essentially without the volume or without the time, the, the formula doesn't work, right? So you need a substantial amount of volume over the past you know 24 hours in order to accurately price something or else uh, we're essentially just saying that the current price of something is what the price was two hours ago when it was traded at a certain volume so it's pretty important um it's akin to uh, when if, if you looked online and you found you know you you have like a hundred dollars worth of stock in a company but the company did a stock freeze for like a year of time. Uh, your your stock's probably not worth a hundred dollars, right? It's probably uh, I don't know if it's worth anything. Nobody knows what it's worth until the stock unfreezes. So that's why volume's so important. Uh, you essentially can't tell if an asset is is worth anything if people aren't trading it actively.
3: That's a that's a really good explanation. Essentially, volume is the market coming to consensus, actively coming to consensus on the price of an asset and so if there's no consensus like so volumes like the consensus mechanism for the reality of the price yeah
2: that's a good way to put it yeah it's it's a set of uh random people in the market agreeing to trade an asset at a specific price without that agreement uh there's no price for an asset and that goes for anything in the real world if i came up to you and said uh you know i want to i want to give you this globe um we would essentially debate for the worth of that asset until we agreed upon a price and you'd give me $5 for my globe or something like that. Uh, until that exchange is made, that globe is essentially worthless in the eyes of, a, of uh, like a bank. right? You can't put up that globe for collateral unless you have examples of 100 different people who agree, okay, I would buy this globe for $5. So that's why volume is, uh, is so important in forms of, uh, of the oracle. Uh, again i appreciate talking about this i know i talk everybody's ear off about the, the formulas and all this stuff but again it keeps us up at night it's all we think about it's important problems
3: oh for cool. sure and i mean the more the more fundamental the description the more it's it's just it's a good mental experiment to really dive as deep as possible i I think what's interesting too is even with let's say it's a perfect oracle solution at the end of the day it's still on the lending protocols to to assess the quality of an asset because let's say you know OHO is tracking some new you know let's call it let's call it X coin you know in honor of Twitter like let's let's say there's there's volume and there's liquidity and it's it's doing its thing at like six months of data it's low liquidity but OHO can manage it right you can you can you can collateralize against it at the end of the day though like if the primary liquidity pool for X token gets rugged there's nothing OHO can and do about that. Like at the end of the day, like that's like there's still it, even if OHO can incre- massively increase the accessibility of of assets, the lending protocol still take on the risk of accepting the asset. I guess is something I'm I'm observing. Like at a fundamental level, but it's it's not the oracle's job to decide necessarily w- or uh, what's considered a quality and safe asset. Or do you think that qualification process? Do you think OHO? Has a role in does that does that make sense? Is it the lending protocols or is it the oracle's job to figure out what assets are safe to track?
2: Yeah, yeah. This is something we kind of debate internally all the time. Um, You know, when we're going through a set of features, we might want to include. It's kind of where's the line, right? Uh, Who's at fault at a certain point? Um, I think lending protocols obviously have a certain degree of. Uh, responsibility in that you know it's it's your lending protocol We're, we might be providing the price feeds but at the end of the day um, if if an asset that you onboard gets uh, rugged or the you know the price of it effectively goes to zero uh, your users are essentially wrecked your your positions your health of the lending protocol is wrecked so um, part of it is is uh, is sort of the the real price versus the fake price Right, we essentially determine a fake price by there's a malicious actor introducing a you know large amount of volume into the ecosystem that's never been seen before, and after a certain amount of time, that fake price goes back to the normal price of the asset. Maybe it's artificially inflated or deflated because they're taking their own trades, but they eventually get arbitraged out, and the price of the asset goes back to normal. The real price event is when you know a foundation that controls an asset sells, you know, a hundred million dollars worth of that asset in two hours and everybody gets rubbed. Right. That's that's essentially the position we're talking about. At that point, um, it, we're still providing pricing information for the real price. Right? The Star Oracle can pick up fake prices, it can tell when things are being manipulated, but Oho does provide real pricing. So it does fall on the lending protocol. One thing we're working on though is um is uh, essentially uh, risk management for assets, giving giving different risk factors for assets through OHO, uh, upgrading and downgrading them automatically based off of volume, based off of usage in other DeFi environments. Um, say, you know, an, an asset like uh, you know X just goes out, and they're only concentrated in one ecosystem, like Omosis. They only have ten thousand dollars of trading volume. That might be a D class asset. We might report that to the lending protocol who can automatically limit the position that their users can take using that asset. Uh, say that coin goes on in and, and, you know, three different DEXs after that, and then their, uh, you know, their 24-hour volume goes from $10,000 to 100000 volumes. Then it's a C-class asset. We provide that information to the lending protocol. And then again, they adjust their parameters automatically based off of how we classify that asset and how they want to limit their users. So I think it's it's kind of uh, both of our responsibility. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the data has to be accurate, and the lending protocol has to make right decision as far as what they want their users to engage in. But if we can enable um, a, a better automated form of communication, where it's not just like a set of governance parameters, where you know you have a DAO managing asset, uh, you know, parameters and Maybe it's not the most. Uh, maybe it's not the best people in the ecosystem to be deciding this. We can automate some of that with OHO, and that's certainly in our roadmap, and it's definitely something we're considering.
3: Yeah, I think there's a huge opportunity there. I mean, this maybe this is like ten. Let's let's zoom out ten, twenty years, right? Like, assume there's multi trillions being secured in DeFi. I mean, we're essentially describing a risk rating protocol, right? And like, uh, uh, let me put this back. Lending protocols right now are like all in their own silos as it pertains to kind of measuring, measuring risk. I think it would be super interesting if from the Oracle side, they helped like if if that's where a lot of the, the risk measurement came from in terms of quality of the asset. So imagine not only can you provide data feeds, but we can also give you a quantitative score for how risky we think this asset is. And then maybe there's even a qualitative score too that that can also, that can also be given. And so across data fee, quantitative score, qualitative score, it'd be, a, it'd be so much easier to build out these kind of leverage product, these lending products, um, because of kind of the availability of that information. I think that would be such a cool long-term. Yeah.
1: That sounds like a huge, a huge value prop, just like creating a, you know, one of the pillars for, uh, risk standardization. Uh, for various different protocols like obviously the the value proposition of um you know the the oracle solution that oho provides is <clears throat> is valuable uh in it in its current state but you know kind of looking forward to how this can be improved and you know more you know this obviously makes sense for oho to want to do this for umi uh considering you know the close relationship there but you know if that service was provided sort of agnostically um to to any of the protocols that are integrating oho's price feeds you know that 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 sounds like a pretty incredible value proposition there
2: yeah i mean we've been thinking about this in terms of sort of the the larger ecosystems and you know when everything gets to that you know the trillion dollar number carter's talking about um i mean we we definitely see it as a need because we are the, the oracle that's serving the forty percent of the market that needs risk rating, right? If there's a if you get an oracle price for Bitcoin, you can assume yeah, Bitcoin's a relatively decentralized asset, and most of the oracle prices that other products give are relatively decentralized. They have a certain amount of market traction. They have a certain amount of uh, trading volume. The assets that we want to support the the underserved forty percent of the market not all of them have that. So uh you're right risk rating is it's going to be super important and I think um you know our, our vision is to introduce like uh, you know millions of dollars of TBL into protocols that work in defi and some of these smaller ecosystems and for these bigger ones it's it's billions of dollars we want to introduce billions. So in order to do that effectively with all these assets. We need to we need to have that automation where you know lending protocols can essentially decide automatically where their users stand how they want to limit their users what they want to allow them to do and um, be proactive about that because if, if we're stuck in a world where you know we're limited by governance or centralized authorities um, it, we're, we're really gonna not be able to hit that right we're not going to be able to grow uh, effectively because when a coin lists on a new uh, market, a new DEX and gains you know, a certain amount of trading volume, uh, that, that coin should be able to be collateralized in a, in a much more effective way and be much more capital efficient. So it, yeah, it's, it's very important. So I'm, I'm glad you asked about that because it's definitely something that's on our roadmap. And it's part of what we see um, as OHO securing billions of dollars of total value secured.
3: Yeah, it's so cool. I, I mean, yeah, it, it gets so exciting when you think about. I always get excited when I when I zoom out like the ten years, and then start asking like, what what is what is blockchain and DeFi need in ten years, right? And who who's at the earliest stages of building the plumbing for that? And uh, yeah, I think there's yeah, it's it's just, it's a such a freaking exciting space to be in. So we're we're all very locally time biased, you know. We're we're stuck in the present moment we're biased by all of the local data points, but if you zoom out and think about the slow transfer of trillions in dollars on a DeFi over the course of the next decade or two, it's thinking about the problems that emerge and, and, and the scale of the problem and the value of solving those problems. It's just, it's, 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 it's exciting. It, it's it's such, a, such an exciting time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think about, like when you talk about sort of scaling out and kind of trying to see the whole world viewpoint um, I think sort of past DeFi and into like, uh, sort of local economies and third world countries that really have a need for a decentralized infrastructure. Like one, one of the best examples um, of the need for a fully decentralized Oracle is uh, like crop insurance. When uh, when farmers uh, get an insurance policy on their crops, it's because maybe one year it doesn't rain. Maybe they can't harvest a certain amount of, uh, you know, their crop to sell. So crop insurance allows those farmers to continue their farm that year and then raise a crop the, the subsequent year and sell that off and continue their business and keeps the economic cycle going. The problem is um, a lot of farmers in some of these you know third, second world countries, they either don't have access to effective crop insurance or um, the the insurance policies that they take out, they essentially don't pay because there's no enforcement uh, in in whether or not the insurance companies pay or the farmers don't have access to legal representation, or there's really not an avenue for it, um, if we could have an oracle system that could essentially tell whether or not it rained in, uh, in that specific area, connected to a, a decentralized insurance company that fully trusts that oracle, because it's, again, a decentralized oracle that's providing cryptographic truths, that farmer would, would essentially have access to the global economy of of uh these insurance companies. And it could just continue their capital efficiency and keep that that farmer from closing down their farm. So I, I think the the applications of uh you know how we kind of phrase DeFi, I try to think of it as sort of uh, how does it affect people locally in you know different parts of the world? How could it actually change their lives and make their uh, their experiences more capital efficient? Because it it's not just about uh, you know, high TVL. It's not just about coin go to the moon. It's really about how do we impact people in a in a meaningful way so that uh, they can interact in, in the economy in a safe and, uh, and sort of equalizing way. That's what decentralization is about for all of this. And that's kind of the vision of OHO. That's kind of the large, very, very long-term 20-year kind of timeline. That's such an interesting example. Um, cause
1: like when I, when I personally first got introduced to this space, one of my first exposures to the idea of Oracle solution, like, uh, Oracle solutions in the context of blockchain is being able to, obviously it's taking, uh, real world data and uh, being able to bring that on chain. And, um, you know, my background, uh, Um, My educational background is in chemistry and uh, environmental sciences and the use of Oracle solutions to take, um, you know, uh, real world soil uh, data or atmospheric data, water quality data, and be able to put that on chain and verify it, uh, whether it be for carbon credits or for monitoring, um, you know, particular crops, like you mentioned with uh, insurance um, that was kind of like my first introduction to the idea of Oracle. So really interesting that you provided that. Uh, kind of brings me back a little bit. Um, sounds,
3: sounds like to me that we just confirmed on this Twitter space farmers Farmer Dal X Oho.
2: Yeah, let's let's hope someday. Yeah, I mean, um, it's I, it's it's kind of a the fundamental vision is to allow people to engage in a safe and global economy. Right, like get everybody on the same level playing field. We're we're trying to beat the people that you know uh, set up the banks to fail. Like people, people forget about that. We're we're trying to beat up this beat this centralized kind of like uh, this kind of archaic set of economic assurances around the world, where you know the top ten percent have been winning for the last you know five hundred years. Like we we have this massive undertaking to do, and it's awesome to hear that you know you've kind of. Heard that as the original vision for oracles. And then you kind of get in the weeds and see, oh, you know, oracles right now they're focused on price feeds are focused on solving these very small problems compared to that grand vision, but it's because we're so early, right? It's, it's because we, we have so much work to do. We have, you know, uh, 10, 20 years of work to do before we get to the point where anybody can engage in an equalizing way in the economy.
3: 100%. the, a true, a true internet of finance—one that's fair, fair, and accessible—and I, I think like the 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 crux is like the pivot—not not necessarily pivot point, but it's like blockchain and decentralized finance has so much better plumbing, and like the technology, the next ten years, it's going to become increasingly obvious the benefits to blockchain versus kind of the centralized, closed lack of smooth open source interoperability right like there, there's so much friction in the legacy system but the legacy system has the liquidity to make the new system like like useful and in, in a rapid fashion so like i guess when that, that's what i'm excited for is i'm excited for that liquidity to transfer over slowly over time into this amazing new plumbing and, and, and better system and that's it's, it's a marrying of, of the of the of the two best things which is the liquidity to make things useful and the technology to make it fair, fair and and, um, accessible.
2: I mean, that's the dream, man.
1: So as we get, uh, you know, we're getting pretty close to the, to the end of the hour here. Um, I want to kind of pose one more thing um, before we get close to wrapping it up and invite people up uh, for any questions they might have. You know, one of the biggest things that we're excited for in regards to collaboration with OHO is, Um, you know eventually getting silk integrated into oho's price feeds and this is important for um, a a whole um, slew of reasons like this will allow silk to be securely used in DeFi applications outside of secret network uh, like money market lending protocols um, being able to be collateralized for um you know, for for various things. And so this is going to be one of those critical stepping stones that I think we look back on uh, in Shape Protocol's history once we're a few years down the road as one of those pivotal moments for increasing silks adoption and utility. And Carter, I was um, hoping that, you know, would you mind providing some some insight uh, from your perspective on like, the you know how important it is one for silk to be able to expand its reach outside of shade protocol and secret network to be able to help with providing this utility but also that that critical piece of being integrated into to oho as kind of this interchain oracle solution
3: yeah i mean i I still think there's some technical barriers that have to be overcome on that front the the privacy of shade swap makes it difficult for something like oho to trust shade swap as a source of truth. And that's kind of where Silk's liquidity and volume is. So the source of truth and consensus right now is ShadeSwap. So there's really like two solutions to getting Silk on OHO. One is expanding Silk's liquidity outside of Seeker Network, which is is happening. And we have a Silk pair coming to Kajira. We're planning on getting Silk on Osmosis in a big way sometime in August and September once concentrated liquidity is fully live. We've been patiently uh, waiting for that. And the other option, separate from just like getting so pushed out off of kind of the privacy side of things, is also potentially a way for Shadeswap to be able to expose some of that volume data in a, in a way that makes that allows for Oho to trust it as a source without it violating the, the privacy of, of individual users. That's, it's, a t- it's a tough task. I'm not sure if it's possible, but I, I don't want to like overstate how close Silk is to fully like having OHO accept Silk as an asset, because there's still some, some technical barriers there. But assuming we overcome that, whether it's through Silk on a public, silk on more public blockchains or shade swap being able to integrate with OHO successfully, the net result is Silk can becomes a much more useful asset because it can ultimately be trusted in a, in a, in a programmatic way via OHO. And that would allow for Silk to start to be used in money markets in a similar way that. Something like USDC can be used in money markets, or USDT can. So it's a it's a really important step. The onus is kind of on Shade to to move the needle on that front. And in the interim, we're excited to integrate OHO where we can. Um, but definitely, we wanna we wanna get Silk supported on um, via OHO. And yeah, was correct me if I'm wrong on any of those the points that I made there.
2: No, you're, uh, you're, you're completely correct. I would say the, probably the safest route uh, for users as well as for uh, providing pricing information on Silk is to list uh, Silk on Osmosis and Kujira and get a certain amount of traction going. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we already have indexers for Kujira as well as Osmosis that are live on, uh, on OHO providing, man, that price feeds already. So, yeah, um, when you guys are ready, I'm I'm excited to start providing Silk price feeds out to the rest of the ecosystem. And, you know, if if you guys need help getting listed on UMI, just uh, just let me know. Sounds good. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I'd love to love to hear it. And I think it somewhat goes without stating uh, privacy, while it does provide an incredible value proposition generally. Uh, comes with a little bit m- more complexity uh, when trying to integrate that, um, you know, with with other solutions.
3: Well, it's, it's by definition, right? It's it's an it's intentional opacity, but it's it's fair opacity because everyone experiences it at the same level. But when you have these lending protocols and oracles, that total transparency is like super helpful for those types of protocols, right? So it is an interesting. There are trade-offs to privacy, inevitably, and some of them, some of some of it is is measurement of risk, right? And the upside of that is the protection of data, right? So that's it's these are these are paradigms that are unescapable, and that's ultimately why we're lucky that we have IBC and in interoperability, because it means, despite the fact, sorry, massive truck rolling by, sorry, um, <laughs> despite despite Silk being on a private chain as its as its home base it still has the opportunity to effectively and rapidly and safely expand outwards
2: 100 i mean it's it's just because we're early carter we're just so early
3: <laughs> it's true and it's hard because people i feel like the we so early was like a 2017 and 2020 thing that people said but it's still true the difference is that the builders are tired and the retail users are tired, and the world is a little, is a little tired as as a whole. And that and that's okay, because uh, the onus is on us to keep building and to prove it to the world and to actually impact people, right? And, that, and that's uh that's that's the lifelong battle. Yeah, I
2: mean, uh, I I come from sort of a, a centralized finance background. I worked at Fidelity for a while, and um, I kind of see like this is a this is still a completely new market. Like, how many roll runs have we had? How many? you know it's like we' you have to see all of this competing with thousands of years of existing commerce getting to the point of you know where commerce is today right you you have to see it in in that context and think about, okay, how do we set the path correct for the next thousand years? how do we set it correct for the next ten generations so that that's sort of how I try to see things when when people are you know hey we're tired yeah I, I get it but we have a lot of work to do
3: we have a lot to do yep. so uh that we're just going to keep doing it and the absurd part is like the internet it like it's so it's so young right like it, it really is in in the grand scheme of human history it, it is just even the earth, even the internet and, and the impacts of it is still so 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 early in the scope of human history so it's um the internet of finance open communications and information it's 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 an exciting time born born just in time to build out the future of finance
2: damn right that's, that's a good i like that i'm gonna use that
1: well i think we are uh we're officially about to wrap it up Waz carter thank you both for joining this discussion this was incredibly insightful i hope everyone that was listening in today uh is able to take something away, whether it's specifically about Shape Protocol and Silk or OHO or, you know, the kind of the state of Oracle solutions in general and how it's being improved. Um, that This was incredibly insightful for us and um, very much looking forward to continuing to collaborate with OHO. Um, kind of what Carter had um, briefly mentioned there a few minutes ago, uh, you know, one of the key things about, being able to make it easier for Silk to be incorporated into Oho's price feeds is being able to get Silk uh, exposed on other uh, public blockchains. And the first of those um, in a big way is coming very soon. We've got some really exciting stuff to detail soon about uh, collaboration between Kujira and Shade Protocol. Um, so that first step in getting Silk, um, you know, available on public blockchains. Um in a very real way is coming very soon. So excited to share more with you guys very soon. Um, Carter, Waz, before we wrap this up, do you guys have uh, any last statements you want to make?
2: I mean, uh, you know, I, I would just uh, follow the OHO Twitter account. We got a lot of news. We do, you know, new asset listings, new deployments to uh, ecosystems about every week. Uh, we're really, really aggressive. We're moving fast. And uh, I, I think you're going to like what you see uh, you know, not just six months down the line, but you know, the next month or two is going to be pretty exciting. So yeah, just check us out. Keep keep tabs on us. Carter, how about you, man?
3: Oh man, just pre appreciate why you coming up here. It's always fun to pick people's brains, especially when this is the stuff they live and breathe. So, um, wish you luck on the building, and we'll be tracking y'all's pro- progress carefully. Happy building.
2: Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me, guys. Yep. And thank you everyone for joining in
1: today. Um, Like Waz said, make sure to follow the Oho Twitter account. Make sure to follow the Shade Twitter account. That's where you're going to see the best updates for announcements and developments. Um, Make sure to be active in the community. You know, a big part of um, what we're doing is making sure we're building things that people actually want to use. So, if you have suggestions about what you want to see supported, what you want to see utilized, feel free to you know join our communities and and make your voices heard. We always love hearing feedback on Shade Side, and I'm sure all who uh, can say the same for themselves. Um, and with that, we can officially close this out. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today, and hope you all have a great rest of the day. screaming
0: out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working <laughs> a corner down. Jersey What could be worse Misrepresenting the first Come first Serve mentality stuck in the birds I'll be numbing up first Before discovering What works And we'll see What other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape them under The earth Sit and wonder About the worth And play Ring around the rosy While the thunder is sir. Motherfuckers Walking around here Looking faceless Trying to make a living Southern friendship bracelets Dead ants Dragging out the max Amount of payments Red down days Got them acting All bankless Yo fam What? Check these tokenomics They probing this bear flexing broken iced. I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting notas And then to end a long day Eleven bowls of chronic Never known a politic I was born to frolic It's been my policy To pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists Jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity Before they hit rock bottom Over impossible losses, all moss And I'm liking the odds Bond doing the morning Forming mycological bonds Click the cap Though the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the furbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt. We rape and blunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and play. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace stacked in non toxic just to get a better place. Smacking on the hostage like this shit is play for keeps clowns. White night and all these Maybellines, they call it. Plausible when model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats, tearing apart your community. All these low-hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity. Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each. I'm on the back ten star, gazing after the siege, commanding all the man- to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers Drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs We got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king You better have some of each Motherfuckers, motherfuckers. motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs. I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures Under the dirt we rape him under the earth, say and wonder about the worth and play, ring around the rosy while the thunder is served